Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. This is episode 252, and we're going to talk about the millennium in the early church fathers. Uh, Several early church fathers believed in a literal 1,000-year millennium before the second coming of Christ, and we were studying Irenaeus, and he was one of the many who believed in this coming millennium that would be preceding, excuse me, following the return of Christ. Now, before I get to that, I need to mention we have a companion radio show called Faith and Family. And you might be wondering, why do we call Luke 21 Radio, Luke 21 Radio? Well, if you listen to episode 363 of Faith and Family Radio, I deal with a document of St. John Paul II, and I entitle it A Prophetic Message. And I tie that prophetic message of John Paul II with his document, The Role of the Christian Family in a Modern World. If you have a family, you're thinking of a family, you're a grandparent in a larger family, I think you might want to take a real close look at episode 363 of Faith and Family. So let's get back to the millennium and the early church fathers. And we're going to start again with Irenaeus, who's living between uh, or writing between 190 and 200. And he said, quote, for the day of the Lord is as a thousand years, and in six days created things were completed. It is evident, therefore, that they will come to an end at the end of the six thousand year. In other words, the early church belief in the millennium, the millennium refers to that 1,000 years mentioned multiple times in Revelation 20. And it was very widespread in the early church and probably based in large part on Second Peter's epistle in chapter 3, verse 8, where he says, do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And so the creation week was viewed as a living prophecy, protology, a prophecy of eschatology. Those six days were prophetic of 6,000 years of human history. After that, there would be a seventh day. And that seventh day, even if you look carefully in Genesis, it's set apart. It's different from the procession of the first six days. And the early church saw the seventh day in what we would call today a premillennial view. The idea that there will be a literal millennium in human history after the course of 6,000 years. Now, most of you will say, oh, it can't be 6,000 years. You know, don't they know about Darwin and all that? Well, uh, if 6,000 years is off, so is 
13 billion years or whatever, if you don't have a mechanism to show how intelligence and design got in creation. But here's a point, even if you have trouble with the 6,000 years, I do think there's something to this. Because the 6,000 years, based on the six days of creation, was so widespread in the church, including people who claim to have known and heard St. John, who wrote the book of Revelation. It's very interesting, and you can do this through a simple Wikipedia search, writing, which obviously is a precursor for, for writing human history, began by their estimates— about within 100 years of where the very Orthodox Jewish calendar believes creation was. They believe it were 5,700 years and such. It's very close together. So even if it's just the beginning of recorded history, they're seeing a progression of these six days. Now, the I, I think it's worth heeding what the premillennialist, and by the way, in the early church, they weren't called premillennialist. In other words, the millennial is pre or before the second coming of Christ. Those terms weren't floating around. They used the terminology of creation week, the six days, 6,000 years and such. But there's a, but seeking to heed what they thought but perhaps improve on it the way the church did later, particularly St. Jerome and St. Augustine, that that seventh day is different and apart. And at the course of 6,000 years, which many of these fathers who believed in this, uh, they saw uh, the millennium where you could also view it as the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, the seventh day is not 1,000 years because it's different from the first six days, the seventh day. The Sabbath is the unending day. It's eternity. It's the new heavens and the new earth. And it's a different way of looking at the same type of figures. Now, in Revelation 24, it speaks of two resurrections, the first resurrection and the second resurrection in describing the millennium, the 1,000 years. And the first resurrection takes place before the 1,000 years, and after the 1,000 years are over, the second resurrection. Now, your entire view of biblical prophecy, what school you fit in, and if you pick up a book, a commentary on biblical prophecy or whatever, you want to know what school that person is getting at because they can be very good at individual passages, but then um, kind of throw you off. And so the pre-mill viewpoint saying that the future millennium would follow the first resurrection, whereas the amillennial viewpoint would say, no, the millennium is the present age, and the first resurrection isn't a bodily resurrection, but it's a spiritual one, the result of faith and baptism. Now, somebody on the other side of this argument is going to say, oh, you don't take the Bible literally. Well, here's a verse to take literally, very, very literally. And I must confess, I can see very easily why the early church, in a sense, could miss this, because I have a difficult time processing this thought in my mind, and I've looked at it several times over years, 
and I have a very difficult time comprehending it. I fully, completely believe it's true, but listen to just two little verses in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, if Jesus has made us alive and raised us up, that's a resurrection. And that's not a resurrection at the end of human history. St. Paul is saying to the Catholics in the church at Ephesus, this is what's happened to you. He he made us alive. He not will make us alive. He made us alive and not will raise us up, but he has raised us up. What is he talking about? And it says he seated us with him in the heavenly places. And this is the one that's very difficult for my little brain to try to comprehend. But in the Greek, this is all with, with, and with. Everything that happened to Christ, we are joined with him in covenant. And there is a very profound sense, not physical, but a very profound sense, we have experienced a first resurrection. And that, like, for instance, our prayer life, our corporate prayer life in Mass and individually, uh, positionally, we are seated with Christ in heaven. And I, as I say, my brain is just too small for that. I know it's true. But don't say you're not taking the Bible literally. This is taking the Bible literally. And this is a very easy to understand passage, past tense. We're made alive. He's raised us up. That's resurrected us. And he seated us at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. That's our position. And uh, time and space are not a big deal with God. Here's another scripture. Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, okay, baptism unites us with Christ, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead. You were raised with him through faith. This is, again, this is the first resurrection. I understand why the early church missed this in a sense, because They were thinking, this is going to happen in the future. And if you listen to what I suggested, that Faith and Family episode 363, I did talk about biblical prophecy in there. You know what I said was the hardest thing to understand in biblical prophecy? The present, what time it is, and what's happening right in front of your face. And most of us, you know, aren't getting it, okay? So here's another scripture and you want to use this interpreting book of Revelation. Again, you have a first resurrection and a second resurrection separated by a thousand years. If the first resurrection is one of the body, okay, that means it hasn't happened yet. It's yet future. And if the first resurrection isn't something of the body, but something that's talked about in Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2, then it's something that applies to us now. And the second resurrection is what we normally think of as the resurrection of the body. And that means the present age is the millennium. Okay, this is big. This is very big. This depends on what what seminary you go to or what school of prophecy you believe. Now, if you're interpreting a scripture, like Revelation 20. Now, 
there are people who are very dogmatic and say this is clear as a bell. Well, it's not clear as a bell if you take Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2 into consideration with that. But what you want to do with a hard-to-interpret passage, if you can find a similar passage, and even better, with the same author on the same subject, we'll use the clear passage to interpret the difficult passage. And this is where St. Augustine moved me into seeing that the millennium, the thousand years in Revelation 20, are a present experience of Christians. And it's from John 5, 25. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is, present tense, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The born-again people miss this. <laughs> they, they don't see that Revelation 20 is talking about John 5, 25, hearing the voice of Jesus coming from spiritual death uh, to spiritual life. He's raised us up, made us alive together, okay? And then you skip down a couple of verses, still in John 5. Jesus says, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, this is the dead dead, this isn't the spiritual dead, this is the dead dead, will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, that's the second resurrection, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Well, the resurrection of life and judgment is the final resurrection at the end of time, where the bodily resurrection of both the wicked and the righteous will be raised. That's the second resurrection that John was talking about in Revelation 20 that he also talks about in John 5. And I really hope that helps you. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 252 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.